when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. A few weeks ago, my partner started playing Stardew Valley. I need a soft, sweet game, she said, and she'd been pretty taken with that, uh, with what she'd seen over my shoulder as I went about my routines of feeding chickens, tending gardens, and giving gifts to friends. So she gave it a try. This weekend, she announced, in a tone heavy with regret and shame, I think I have brought industrial farming to Stardew Valley. I glanced at her laptop to see what she was talking about and felt like Neo as Morpheus showed him the vast human battery farms beneath the blotted out sky. Those are the words of one Rob Zachney in his piece this week, When a Game Becomes a Troubling Psychological Self-Portrait. I'm Danielle Riendo. This is Waypoint Radio, episode 136, and joining me today is the man who wrote those words himself, Mr. Rob Zachney. Hey, everybody. Greeting, fr- greetings from uh, the newly industrialized Stardew. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Beautiful. Also joining me, of course, is Austin Walker. Uh, on my on my farm, we just kind of roll out of bed at 11 and then just kind of like make make things happen. But here's the, the, the big one is, you know how you're supposed to go to bed? Yeah. We just don't do that on my farm. We just stay up <laughs> all night farming. All night. This sounds like a psychological so self-portrait. On Waypoint Farm. Yep. <laughs> on the Waypoint Content Farm. And of course, we also have Patrick Klepek. Is, is farming a euphemism on your farm, Austin? I feel like when you say farming, you don't no. mean what the rest of us mean. No, I mean farming. I mean farming. Yeah? I'm talking about farming. See, now the, farming? More you say, the more you say it, the less certain I become of your meaning. Talk about farming. He's talking about farming. Well, okay, mm-hmm. if you mean farming, I mean I farming. Yeah, okay. I right. get it. We're farming. farming. You're farming. Say no more. Farming. Farming. It means you're fighting Negrigante seven times in a row so yep. you can get that armor, so you can get that rank exactly. seven. So you can get that extra sharpening layer so that you don't have to be sharpening. You got that blue layer. Got that blue layer. You got, mm, good. Got to get the blue wow. layer. Wow. Got to get that blue I've laser, too. I've awesome. with the blue layer, hey. and it drives me up a wall every time I switch to a different weapon. <laughs> yeah, that blue And my sharpness is only a green. I know. I know. I know, Patrick. I feel so, like there's a lot of psychological weight here mm-hmm. that's going on with your farming and his sharpening. And, and Rob, I guess your it's your topic this week, more or less, because this is something you wrote about on Monday. Uh, but uh, about the general concept of when you play a game and you see yourself reflected, perhaps in a very disturbing way, in this game or in your habits in the game. So uh, it seems like, well, uh, first of all, I guess I should ask: uh, is uh, is your partner doing okay? Does she get over what she's done to the poor people of Stardew Valley? <laughs> Uh, maybe a little bit. Uh, as I understand it, there have been some interesting developments uh, since I wrote that story. Oh. Uh, a, there's a burgeoning relationship with uh, Elliot, the novelist, uh, that I'm excited to see how it turns out. Uh, so, you know, it could be that things are about to get a little more chill on, uh, you know, on on Mooberry Farm, as I think it's called. Uh, <laughs> oh, my name. Mooberry? Mooberry? Yeah, really don't worry about what's, it. What's it's the good. etymology of, of Mooberry? I have no idea. Look, <laughs> you know I don't mulberry? know. It's like a mulberry, but more milky. <laughs> right. Oh, look, delicious. It, look, it's it's partly like a forage farm. It's uh-huh. partly a dairy farm. And there's a lot of adorable, soft, sweet creatures that need to be pet every day. Uh, so I think it's you know pretty much clear what the etymology of that, that <laughs> term is. But uh, yeah, so I mean... Yeah, obviously, like once a phenomenon has been observed, it begins to change. Uh, but I think what's really interesting about sort of what was happening, you know, when my partner was playing Stardew, is that explicitly Stardew, you go to play Stardew for what you think is one kind of fantasy experience, right? Like Stardew opens with literally like your elderly grandfather being like, someday when you're when the modern world becomes too much for you and you need to escape it all, then you will know what to do with this gift. And so explicitly, like, it's about get away from these horrible, like, destructive rhythms and patterns of modern life and come to slow, sleepy, sweet, uh, communitarian stardew. That's kind of the fantasy. 
And then what happens when you go into a game <laughs> and you bring yourself to that fantasy and it turns out you, you completely transform it? That's what I find really interesting is like when a game isn't supposed to really like sort of like flatter or model your, 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 your weird ticks, <laughs> but somehow you make it do that anyway. So Stardew Valley is the cave from Empire Strikes Back is what you're saying. Yeah. Pretty it much. shows you your darknesses and, and your dark sides and all of those things. Right. Well, the starting thing for me was actually like the opposite of the, the thing <laughs> I pitched before. Yeah. Which was like I had to quit playing Stardew Valley because I just – I felt like if I wasn't optimizing it, I was playing wrong. Um, uh. And so like I just couldn't do it. Like I couldn't – it wasn't the farm. It was everything. It's like, OK, I need to be progressing down every path with the best efficiency possible. And that made it not fun at all for me. And like any of the joy I would have gotten out of like, this is like the creative element of, of kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of putting together what crops I was, I was going to make and, and putting together like what the, what my farm looked like and any sort of the, the joy I was getting out of characters, like all of that was pushed to the side because I felt bad if I wasn't spending every day very, very, very productively. Uh, and it was just like not a healthy experience in any way. It was like reinforcing really bad behaviors of overworking and shit. So I, I stopped. I see why you like Souls games. <laughs> right. It well, makes perfect sense that that sort of mindset is the only way you forge ahead I guess, in well, one type of game. The thing is the Souls games are – it's the opposite thing for me though, which yeah. is I like Souls games partially because I don't mind when I lose and don't make progress. Oh. Right? Like I don't get that mad when I fuck up and get killed at a boss unless it's like – one of those one moments of like, oh, it had no health left and I fucked up got because greedy. I got greedy. Exactly. One more hit. One more hit and yep. I shouldn't have done it. Or the opposite, which is I could I could have snuck the hit in and oh, I got scared and, and didn't, didn't commit. But the thing yeah. with Souls games for me is actually like I don't have a particularly antagonistic relationship with those games. I – if I die, I die. Like I'll go get my souls. If I don't get my souls, I don't get my souls. Like, OK. And so I have like a very chill relationship with those games. But it's games in which optimization is visible and is like – in, in which I can clearly see what an optimized run would look like, and then I fail to do it, is where it feels bad. I am like part of the reason that uh, Stardew just didn't grab me. Those games just aren't usually my sort of thing, even as I, I tried. But I had a, a similar experience to Austin, where rather than me being able to recognize my own failings to optimize, because I just I, I couldn't see that to begin with, because I just don't play those types of games. Instead, I'd go on Twitter and see other people's farms, <laughs> and then I'd look at mine and go. All right, I guess I just don't understand these games because I'm so fucking bad at it. And so it just like then I just like turned it off and just moved on to the next thing because it was like I looked at my dinky thing and I was like I don't. And it, th- most of this was like me talking to Keita Jackson about her farm because right. she was extremely good at like at, at farming and efficiencies and maximize everything. And I'd like talk to her, I'd see her farm and just go, okay, like yep, this is just maybe not. Or just the mountain I was going to have to climb to – one, it was a mountain to climb to understand to reach those, like, efficiencies on a mental level. And two, I just – same way that I've never really been into strategy games, like, certain games reflect upon my weaknesses psychologically that, like, could I compensate for them by, like, learning more? Maybe. But often it's just why do I want to play something that's going to continually remind me, like, I'm just not good at this sort of thing. <laughs> why bang my head at it? Right. I think it's funny you bring up strategy games because – as Danielle mentioned earlier, we've been doing stuff with blue lasers lately. Uh, <laughs> on uh, we streamed Stellaris yesterday. Stellaris has a new expansion pack called Apocalypse, and I think that ended up being a really interesting test case for this to some degree. Which was we set out to build uh, Stellaris is a is a four X game, uh, sort of in the vein of Civilization or something. It takes place in outer space. It's by Paradox, who makes Crusader Kings two. Um, so it has kind of a hint of the sort of what we call grand strategy in the genre. Uh, which is less about uh, the kind of four X's, uh, less about about expansion and exploitation and uh, the other two X's. <laughs> We're looking at Rob, Rob like what are the other extermination and oh. expansion? Ex- ex-girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend. Expansion, 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 expansion is the one I missed. Uh, it still does all of those, but like there's a little bit more nuance in there. There's some more, a little bit more in terms of like. Um, there's a little more character, it feels, and, and there's a, a, a really long middle period of just like, okay, things are arranged, and now how will they interact? Um, and we set out to build our ideal 
like space empire. We sure did. And I say space empire, but I should say like collectivist, full luxury space, space communism. DSA, I like think space is how we DSA, put it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but and we kind of had this idealistic notion of like, okay, what if Earth was good? What if we figured out how to make Earth good? And then we went to space uh, and we built, a, a, I think, a culture that I can get behind. And then the thing happened that always happens, which is we ran into other people. And it was really interesting to immediately be put into a position of should we like – should we go in on our own ethics? Should we completely fold well, and deal with these evil space that's cultures? That's the thing. We got we to explain the fact of why the other cultures yeah. were evil. They were all slavers. Every single species yeah. we encountered we were like three. despotic slavers. Yeah. Every single one. Which is it was wild. rough. Well, and it was one of those things like immediately the thing ended up being like – well, are these space slavers really as bad as these other space slavers? <laughs> like, and, and like, well, maybe maybe it just says they're space slavers. Maybe they don't have any real slaves. We should try to get some information. Oh, they have real slaves. Yep. <laughs> and, and it was like they're unhappy if they don't have slaves. There was like an extra condition right. on top of this that was like they're really Those unhappy the worst ones. That's when the they thing. don't have slaves. Right. So like, like, that was the thing. It was like, OK, oh. could we team up with the evil slavers who at least they're not predisposed to having slaves? Maybe we could change their minds. <laughs> one day versus the the other evil empire that was like they need slaves or they're not happy yeah. which is fucked yeah. uh and so you and didn't liberate any of these people we, oh. we tried okay. patrick so <laughs> thank wow. you so, this was wow good. i just touched it um, i just touched it i just saw the whole room react <laughs> i just i like like physic like a, a nerve was like physically uh uh-huh. brought into the world and uh-huh. i pinched it uh-huh. so to a degree the history of this galaxy has yet to be written yes Ooh. uh first of all our government had other priorities at this time like while <laughs> while the governing council was really excited about sort of a liberationist movement across the galaxy uh, the popular will was pretty centered on deep space mining operations. Mining. They're big on mining. Um, <laughs> while there were a lot of like sentient beings being held in bondage, uh, really people just needed to strip mine some asteroids <laughs> and then we could deal with the other stuff. We are fanatic uh, egalitarians and the minerals in those asteroids must be free. And we just had to free them out, you know. Yeah. So you're saying there was a different kind, like they were they were stuck in this asteroid. They were that was their own sort of enslavement. Was... Well, a oh, funny story. Yeah, oh, no. uh, actually, so speaking of people being stuck inside asteroids, so we found there was a point at which. Okay, so you have to understand for three terms in hey, a row. Austin, all good stories start with look. What you should understand, like I'm not racist, right, but, but like, I hear you. <laughs> but we three terms in a row had the goal of increasing the amount of mining that was happening in outer space. Three yeah. different executive officers. They're, they're called aspirants in our yes, in our culture. Aspirants. Very, yes. yeah, we aspire to greatness. Also, you choke on them. And also, you choke on them. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we found a, a star surrounded by an incredibly dense asteroid belt that had 40 mineral points. Yeah, in it. You have to understand, most whole systems only have three, four, five mineral That's points. A lot of points. 40 now, mineral points. Another p- key piece of context here. Yeah, please. Uh, so Austin was driving the stream. He was mm-hmm. he was sort of in control of everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you okay. get little updates I'm from... Start, I'm starting to see where the... the, the, yeah. the, the, the <laughs> mm, so, okay, the contours of this, uh, whatever you're about to justify uh-huh. here momentarily. Yeah, you get little updates from like various departments within your empire. Mm. and like You get a lot of them. I want to be clear. Yeah, there's and a so, lot of them, like, like my email box. <laughs> yeah, so like the dweebs in the science division sent wow. in this exploration okay. report on this really mineral-rich, bizarrely mineral-rich uh, system with all these these asteroids. And they were like, huh, these are these fascinating asteroids with lots of minerals, and there are these other interesting characters, and then Austin like just closed the message oh. and moved on. There were 40 minerals started, there, Rob. And started building the mines. <laughs> Later, what we would learn is... That that message included uh, a sub message that said that there were also the remains of countless mining stations. What had come before, <laughs> and we the second the second we finished the final mine there because they're, they're split up. There's like eight of them, right? And mm-hmm. each one has five mineral points in it. And we get to the last one, and like seconds later, it's like. The asteroids all begin to rumble as microscopic creatures begin to pour from their from their pores on their surface and become a, a like a living swarm that begins to devastate all of your mining operations. 
Patrick, it was dope as hell. You could barely see them. You couldn't even you see couldn't, them. Like, you just zoom in super the system. Close. Yeah, like things are dying in the system, but like you couldn't tell. And it wasn't until like we stared at it for like five minutes watching like a system's worth of miners like perish brutally. And then we're like, holy shit, wait, like those little like particles are like killer bugs. Yeah. Saying, so this is like the happening. Right? Right. Like, a little bit. Yes. But also, exactly like we happening. also brought it on ourselves. A little like, bit. We went Just like and the You're right. You're right. You're wow. correct. True. That is correct. Well, and here's the thing. They, these things were like, they were enslaved by their asteroid, and then they rose up to fight us, the oppressors. I don't know that we're the, I guess that's, well, here's what I want to know We were is, stealing their minerals. If, we had, if they had let us have those minerals, we could have liberated all those other people. I see. Why did the so were they, were they using the minerals to to survive? See, they Who weren't. Could say? They, I, I mean, well, they, they were trying to protect their territory. Oh, yeah. Conve- convenient <laughs> ignorance, Austin <laughs> Who Walker. Could say? Who could say? There's lots of possibilities. Rob, I mean, look, the do all the dweebs didn't spend enough time figuring that part out. They didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, they could have. They did not complete their work before we started uh, changing the environment. But you know, like, look. Bees need honey, but they don't need all of it. Right, and listen, we've made the... Exactly, exactly. You know who uh-huh. else needs honey? Me and my tea. We met yes. big elephant people on a different planet, and yes. then we had a good relationship with them, because they were like, cool, we're going to have... We're going to be friends. The cool thing. And now they were like, some of them wanted to join our army, which is a weird first Busting desire to have after <laughs> meeting a new type of people, uh, but they are in our army now. And maybe they, so they, they, they knew what side so, they needed to be on. Right. So like, hey. Right. So, um... All there were all these slaving empires, right? Yes. Uh huh. And Everyone. the moment we realized, the moment we met our second slaving empire, we realized like uh, we're starting to get outnumbered by slavers, and we were like, we need to do something about this. The problem is, we'd sort of set up a really idyllic and peace-oriented society, but we're looking at the numbers, and we're like. I think we can first strike annihilate these people. <laughs> like, sort of, sort of looking around, like, are we going to do this? Like, should we do this? And so we, um, we passed an edict, and we sort of changed up what. Uh, okay, so basically, we became neoconservatives. Well, okay, slow down. <laughs> we became freedom fighters. <laughs> Isn't that what neocons call themselves? So, so mechanically, the yes. Mechanically, we actually did something very good, which is previously. We were able to – in this game, you have to have a reason to go to war. You can't just go to war. And previously, we could go to war with anybody we yeah, said – Yeah, you have to leak stuff to the New York Times, have them write it up, and then use that to justify <laughs> yep. your invasion. Yep. Right. So, I mean, previously, what all we had to do was say, you're our rival. Fuck you. We're going to go to war with you. We could do it with anybody. Anybody. Oh, you, can just be, you can just be aggro. And yes. That's your so we okay. changed that to be where we could only do – we could declare rivals with someone and then if, our, if we were ideologically opposed, we could then declare oh, an ideological war that was about changing how they ran their government. And so we okay. were trying to get them to give up slavery. Uh, but because we ran out of minerals, we didn't have the ability to like hit them when they were weak. And now we're back to like square one, and we've met a third one. And all of this is to say that get to what Danielle's entire topic is: is that like it's funny because this strategy game about spaceships and space bugs left us all, I think, feeling like how do you navigate politically in a world where there's so much comp- where so much compromise could also look like. You know, uh, 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 what's the word? What's the the word I'm looking for? The the Chamberlain word. The uh, oh appeasement. Appeasement. Oh, exactly. Yes. Thank you. Where so much compromise can look like appeasement, where someone who you disagree with politically can look like you know if you're working with them, you're you're betraying some really deep fundamental values. Uh, and it actually like hit. I think me at least. I don't know if it hit everybody else. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, well, fuck. Like I want to be hardline about this. But, like, I turned towards Danielle as, as our, our moral center and, like, mm-hmm. we ended up, like, kind of just kind of going hands off but hoping the other em- evil empires would fight each other. <sighs> it was really hard. Yeah. It was really, really hard. That stream because will be this up. game keeps asking me to make those decisions. Right. And I keep wanting to be, like, a Captain Janeway or a Captain Picard right here and be like, no. Right. This is below us. We're the Federation, the United Federation of Planets. Right. We value diversity. Right, but... Everyone else is a slaver. Right. And we were very worried because we have that deviant quality, which I in this case that. 
meant that our, our populace could deviate from its original ideology. Right. We were worried the slavers were going to rub off on our people. <laughs> Not and, like, literally, hopefully. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> deviant. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Deviants. Well, that was the thing. is like we literally built a society that was like constantly self-checking itself yeah. and thinking, well, what if other people have good ideas? But then the other people all ended up being slavers. <laughs> so... I don't know. We're going to pick that game up next week. Um, it's going to be. And I think we're going to keep hitting this thing of like – and this has yeah. been true for me. I don't know, Rob, you've played a lot of these games. I don't know, Danielle, if you've dipped into strategy games before. But I've actually had this dilemma, which is like I actually think that mechanically there are some cool things that happen with sorts of gameplay styles that I won't play. So this yeah. new update adds a sort of like – uh, a system where um, you can be kind of Viking style or, or pirate style where you like take – you kidnap people. You go on raids, kidnap people or like space alien style, like UFO style. Like, oh, you attack research. To, to kidnap people yeah. and then like bring them back and you can you can in, you know, bring them into your culture or you can use them as slaves or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, ah, like I want to play space Vikings but I kind of never want to be the culture in a game that is a slavery culture ever. Right. Even weird sci-fi bullshit space Vikings. And that's not a bummer in any way, but it is one of those weird lines that I have drawn, even though that wouldn't change my feelings about, for instance, slavery or wouldn't, you know, I don't think that that would, rec- that would be like some failure of me or anyone else who plays the game. It's just like this weird thing that I can't quite push past. I have – this is not exactly the same thing, but it's along those lines. I never don't play as the most goody-ass, sure. goody-two-shoes character in anything I can I can play. No one ever pushes you? Like there's never any bad guy who's I'm like – I'm not above what? violence. OK. Not by any means. I'm not a pacifist by any means in games. Right. But like in Dishonored 2, for example, and, and Death of the Outsider, you know, games where you can decide to like – be violent. Right. I was violent, but I never killed anybody. Right. I knocked everybody out, and I put them in a nice, safe place in the recovery position. I actually made sure to put them in the recovery okay. position. But there's never a been anybody. Skull. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's even in Death of the Outsider. So I can think of a specific time in Death of the Outsider where it would have been very easy for me to not kill somebody, and I killed them anyway. Which is there's a room. It's like very, very light spoilers in Death of the Outsider. Yeah. There's a room where you find rich people who like sit in chairs. They, they're Peter Thiele. Mm. They're like, oh, this is the blood room. The blood room mm-hmm. where there's like rich folks who fuck are fuck those motherfuckers. Fuck those guys. Boom, 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 right. boom. They're like Daniel. Sitting- if you didn't kill them, I actually have lost respect for <laughs> you for allowing them to survive. They're these rich motherfuckers who sit in chairs, like hooked up to an IV. And oh, they're draining room. blood from a poor dude yeah. in the other room. And that's yeah. all they do all day. That's like their vacation. They go to a spa and they hook up an IV and they sit in a comfortable chair and they get new blood put in them yeah, from, a, from a living person. You can person. literally walk up to them and just step like, them in the you know what? They're asleep. They're eventually – like what's great about that moment is like eventually they – you walk in. There's some dialogue and then uh, they they pass out. Like they kind of go into a dream state like mm-hmm. a – some sort of whatever the equivalent of like the high that you get from this uh, uh, blood transaction, and then they're just there. And I remember stabbing the guard in the next, and then they're just they're just sitting there. Yeah. They're just sitting. There's two uh, uh, witches off to the side talking in another room, and then there's these three just lined up, and I just clunk, clunk, <laughs> clunk. There you felt go. No. Now, granted, I did play like a violent playthrough because I felt like it fit the character and. Sure. How they wanted to achieve their means, and I, I, in in my interpretation of that character, it felt like a betrayal not to be violent because it seemed like that's what the character's was like, proclivity was towards. Um, violence is a means of, of achieving something, not violence just for the sake of being like right. sociopathic. Right. But uh, that room in particular was one where I took zero like remorse. <laughs> like it felt very much like these are bad people. They actually don't deserve to live, and so fuck them. Done. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Nothing. That's fair. They didn't, they didn't push you over I'm the trying edge. to remember, like, four people died in my entire playthrough. Okay. They may have been among them. There was one guard 
I got so pissed. I put like 25 hours into this one level trying to make it perfect. Oh, and there no. was one guard who like fell into the river or okay. something when yeah, I wasn't yeah. looking. I yeah, think yeah. there was like some spe- – whatever. There's like a wind thing or something. A seagull hit him. Who I the was fuck knows? really annoyed because guard- the guards are just doing their job. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying that's morally especially, okay. Those however- guards especially like – things aren't as bad in Karnaka by that point as they were during – the yeah. main Death of the Outside or the main Dishonored 2. So right. it's not even like they're like fascist guards at that right. point, they're just, right? They're just doing their job. Yeah. Look, again, I'm not saying that just because you're wearing the uniform, you're morally fine. Sure. I just, I don't want to kill you. I don't want to be responsible for They'll that knock death. knock you the fuck out. Exactly. But. Everybody, I went high assault, low fatalities, mm-hmm. I think was the, the term for like the X and Y and how it went. Like, <laughs> Tell it to the judge. Nobody was, nobody <laughs> didn't see me coming. Right. <laughs> they all saw me coming. I don't know how that body ended up in the water, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I think it was a seagull, sir. I don't know. <laughs> it was the wind. You know how magic works. <laughs> you know? Have you heard of the outside? Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard Probably the good that word? guy. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, like, there's no one in an RPG or anything has ever pushed you because there's such a villain. We're like, you know what? Fuck off. Boom. I think that's happened before. Okay. For sure. Okay. Uh, which I'm fine with. And I'm also like, would be perfectly fine using violence in real life yeah. for self-defense. No one is doubting you. 100,000 percent. You made that like, clear with those space pirates who tried to blow us up. So. I mean, like, somebody tries to blow you up, you have every right Absolutely. to blow them up. But I think it's very much like a, an element of my personality. Like, I have a little hero complex. Like, yeah. of course, I love riding around in my little ambulance and helping sick people in real life. That's fun you for me. You don't punch people while doing that, right? Only if it's necessary, Austin. True. Good answer. No, you don't. Good we don't. Answer. We don't do that. That's not a thing that we do. We are only allowed to use soft restraints on violent patients, which we've Have had to do. Have you ever wanted to brawl with another EMT company? There you go. Oh, outfit? yes. Yes, I've wanted yeah. that. Oh, I haven't really? done it in uniform, but, you know. Wait, what was... If they came to my gym and I was like, hey, what's up? You want to fight? You want to spar? work some things out. You know. Do you have, like, EMT rivals? Not like rivals, because we're the volunteers. Okay, here in real life, like is that the name of your gang, the volunteers? <laughs> that's a sick name. The Ridgewood Volunteer I Ambulance Corps. To beat the shit out of you. I mean, that's what we are. <laughs> so wait, so what's... signed up for this rando? <laughs> I don't know what your problem is, man. Wait, so wait, what's you the don't, You don't want to do this. Don't get in the bus. <laughs> yeah, don't get on the bus if you can't hold yourself in. Uh, we really are the volunteers, and we really are like helping the other crews that are gotcha. out there, like the FDNY people. So, like, they're usually happy because that means they can go smoke or, like, mm, eat something. Mm-hmm. And we're like, all right, we'll deal with your patient. Like, right. we got them. We're going to carry them in and, and help okay. them. So, so everything's actually good. Everything, it's actually well, good. Actually painting is a very kind <laughs> Volunteers picture. are actually very okay. nice. Good. We try to be. But, yeah, it's, it's very much that. And the other thing for me, for sure, and this also, of course, has to do with immersive sims because that's what I like to play. Like, my personality, I love to tinker. I love to tinker with things. I love to tinker with variables. I like, you know, we, we do a little game dev stream. I like to build and play with things. So immersive sims are fun for me because I get to spend, you know, say 80 hours in a 20-hour game right. trying every single thing, every single interaction, every single little thing I get to pick and pull and, and play with, uh, which I guess is like a somewhat positive personality trait. It's like, right. oh, it's fun to play with variables. I'd rather do that than play a lot of games that have a more directed path for example right right so. which is like again that's fine but it's the yeah. I, I think this gets to the, the rob's question your question of like hey like what are games that bring out that side right. of us or bring out that let you see into yourself in a weird way and go yeah. like oh that's me um <laughs> i'm uh-oh. a dork who just loves to play with right. variables yeah exactly what's funny i think is games sometimes i think a lot of these examples have been not negative necessarily, but we've kind of been talking about it almost pathologically. It's <laughs> like, what dark secret do games reveal from us? <laughs> right. uh, and I'm actually curious if any of you have the opposite, which is like, oh, I didn't know I had this in me. This game helped show this. For me, Starbound, which is like t- Terraria but spacey, uh, which is like I, I Minecraft but 2D and in space. <laughs> sure. Um, I got really into decorating my spaceship and like you could tear apart the internals of the spaceship and then kind of build little dioramas basically and they could look really cool and you could kind of like use the items you found across all the all the different worlds and and make you know here's my little bedroom it's like on a loft above oh, the kitchen cute. Yeah. so I I built like you know six or seven different ones that I was really proud of that had like really great color schemes I was like I've never a game has never brought that out in me before but I guess I really like this style of visual storytelling. Um, so I'm curious for, for y'all, if anything, if a game has ever been like, oh, wow, I didn't know I had this positive trait or that I could engage in this way. Maybe the opposite of Patrick's thing, which was like, 
Stardew says, oh, I can't play games like this. Anything that, like, made you feel like, oh, wow, I can play games like this. I could do this other big stuff. Yeah. Well, Patrick, I know you and Danica both have, have said things about Monster Hunter in that way, or, like, in terms of, like, stats yeah, and Yeah, the but. Monster Hunter, so I think Danica, I think Monster Hunter had, like, a greater impact on Danica. Sure, when she, sure. like, spoke to, like, the idea of, like, item management. Like, I mean, there's a yeah, pretty, right. like, pretty strong through line between Dark Souls and Monster Hunter. Sure, like, sure. Like, that I, like, knew to some extent, but didn't quite internalize until I actually sat down, and it was more just, like, their Dark Souls has fewer systems going on monster and or different systems right like i've internalized that of dark souls is weird uh you know stats and how it manages a lot of other different things but like monster hunter dark souls like if you like one there's a good chance you're gonna like sure. the mm-hmm. other one so I, I don't know that monster hunter um necessarily uh, uh hit for me in that way i'm trying to think of it positively often it's usually for me as austin framed in the negative sense of where it's like <laughs> games like like scratch at a certain nerve or, or like push on a certain nerve that just reminds me like i've just never been good at this sort of thing uh and and like that's that's I, th- th- those games just remind me of that and so i just kind of move on for them so i'll have to try and think if there's a game that does the opposite of i can't really think of one right off the top of my head how about you rob do you have something that yeah, was like see, mostly it's pathologies all the way down <laughs> like, <laughs> no i mean because like because most of the time okay something positive is revealed usually like what you're seeking out is something that you're drawn to for some reason because it's already speaking to some Mm. aspect of your personality uh and so i guess that is kind of the problem is when i'm like getting some sort of positive feedback from a game it's usually flattering something i already perceive about myself Mm. or would like to perceive about myself uh and this sort of like surprise aspect is uh a little bit harder to come by like i guess i i tend to be surprised at how like you danielle i tend to be a goody two-shoes like (laughs) it turns out my morality is a bit less flexible than i would maybe like for the purposes of role playing i would like to be able to flex it a bit more like i love reading uh, machiavelli's the prince and the discourses why can i never govern in a forex strategy game as if I am Machiavelli, sort of putting those lessons into practice. Like, I, I come to that moment, and I'm like, yeah, like, the self-interested, like, thing to do here is betray this person while they're weak and completely gut them. Uh, but what I end up doing instead is being like, I really need to let them strike first. Right. And, <laughs> then, sure. right. and then I'll be justified <laughs> in doing whatever I have to do. But, like, until they throw that first punch... I can't burn their cities and salt the earth. Well, it's funny because it feels like when we play Stellaris together, you let yourself take that role a little bit <laughs> in a way that you probably wouldn't if it was just your permanent Iron Man game where you were like, oh, I can't take any of this back. This is me. Well, cause, yeah, because I know Danielle's on the other shoulder gotcha. being like, talk to the pirates. <laughs> and That's what sorry, I that's sound the, like. That's Jiminy Cricket. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, talk yes. to the pirates. Like, <laughs> You're you're Jiminy you're Jiminy Cricket, mm-hmm. and I'm um evil Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, I got nothing actually. <laughs> I think it's heartless Jiminy Cricket, Kingdom Hearts. Is, uh, yeah, obviously. I see. Yeah, yeah. It's all tied. It's all it's tied. All in. tied together. Who's an evil? I, mean, I think. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just trying to figure out if Jiminy has Jiminy has a dark like reverse <laughs> the don- side. The donkey one, right? Whoever turns Pinocchio into a donkey. Who does that? that? Guy. Yeah. Is that alcohol? He gives a weird the- beer. Is that what it is? <laughs> it's, it's really beer. weird. Yeah. Thinking about that. Actually, that movie kind of sucks. If I, like, it's too surreal. I don't like it. Patrick. <laughs> okay. I don't have a Pinocchio. I don't have a Pinocchio take. It's been. I've probably seen that movie since I was right? like six. <laughs> so I feel like now I got to go back. I've been trying to. Get, I've been trying to get my kid to watch two D movies. Not interested. Oh, no. Three D or bust. Wow, really? I don't think that's because she dislikes two D movies. She's just only watched three D films, and so. Like, this even extends to Trolls. Loves the movie Trolls. Trolls, the two D Netflix cartoon nah. show. Thinking like, great. I don't have to watch this 60-minute movie anymore. I can watch these bite-sized 20-minute cartoon that don't have the voices of Anna Kendrick and Justin Timberlake, but she doesn't know that. Right. Uh, she won't watch them. They're 2D. Anyway. Have you tried um, anime? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's oh. what I was going to guess. I don't – I don't. Uh, we got to see if she has a reaction to certain lights and <laughs> never, patterns. Sure. Never too young for Shonen. Exposure to anime. True. Let me tell you about Goku and how he's here to save us. Oh, yeah, the good. good word of the Goku. The good word of Goku. Have you heard the good, the good word, word of Goku? Of Goku? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, oh my god! But I, I was going to say that like, I think this is something we touched on before. That like when we struggle over this question of uh, games that have pushed us in a direction that is uh, a proclivity uh, vastly 
different than what we would normally just uh, operate on. I think it's a failure that more games don't like find ways to press mm-hmm. play. Because I think the vast majority of players are the like they consider they want to tell themselves they're the Han Solo type, but they are just the goody two shoe type. <laughs> like, and they tell themselves they're the Han Solo type that will occasionally do a bad thing, but they actually aren't that person and don't ever do that occasional bad thing. Um, I wish more games put you in a position where you had to make. Where you had to, to to go like had to go in a direction that made you feel uncomfortable, and there wasn't another way around it. So I think you can generally assume that most players want to be the good person, and not that you need to be the like I guess bad is the wrong way, but just I wish more games made me feel uncomfortable about the choices I was mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. instead of always giving me an out. Because in the same way that if I can play a game the exact same way to be effective, I'm going to lean in that direction. Uh, if games are morally going to give me an out. 99% of the time, I'm going to take that choice 99% of the time. And even if you can say, oh, well, I'll just play it a second time and you won't. do the different playthrough. That's yeah. that's vastly different than the first time because inevitably the first playthrough is your canonical playthrough. The other ones are just like, <laughs> what, what are other ways this could have gone that you don't actually feel the same weight of yeah. making that choice the first time around. And I think games would be serviced not by uh, like, oh, be the bad guy. It's more just like in the context of like you want to do good like, like, what if you can't? What if good is hard to do? Hard to yeah. yeah. What if good is hard to do? And and I don't know if enough games necessarily so Witcher, give you huh? trade offs in that direction. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there it is. And that Witcher three, that's a hell of a game, mm-hmm. right there. I, I keep was, thinking about going oh, that's, back that's to one, that game. That's 100%. It's so good, Witcher Wednesdays. I have one day. Something I, I I'm thinking about while while you're saying this, Patrick, is I feel like that's actually a a, a feature of games of the types of games that are in the mainstream is like. I think one of the reasons why a lot of people play games is because they get to actually affect change in a universe and be the most important thing in the right. universe. Maybe because you don't feel that in your real life, because who does, right? right. Very few people actually feel powerful in their lives. At it's least clean in that's games. That's my my you know read on this, yeah. like in a clean way. Yeah, like I get to be the hero. I get to have sex with all the alien babes or whatever. That's Han, is that Han Solo hearts. again? Is that's that, Han Solo. That's Danielle Riendo. Danielle Riendo, exactly. Solo. Right. Organa, so, d- yeah. You know, uh-huh. my the, well, so my question is two things here. One is like, is this something that games should be incentivizing mechanically or, or disincentivizing like the good action by making it more difficult or by saying your your skill in being a good person is actually not that high, my guy. <laughs> like, you don't have the courage to do this good thing. You're going to have to take this compromise. Or is this a failure in writing and in content design in which like what what there should be is the sorts of choices and the sorts of situations that organically bring compromised morality out of a player. And I, I, this isn't a should as in like right. all games need this. But which right. one of those is, sounds more interesting to you or that you would like to see more of? I mean both. Yeah. So, but I also love immersive sims, so you know. True. Uh, sorry, Fair. go ahead, Rob. Go. No, but like two examples I'll give um, real quick. One is that the end of Stalker, the original Stalker, um, has different endings you can get. You you are spending the entire game trying to get to what's called the Wish Granter, uh, somewhere in the center of the exclusion zone. It's like this magical thing that all the stalkers talk about, but like nobody's sure it even exists. And when you get there, the game sort of like interprets how you how you've played, oh, and you see yourself grant yourself a witch. So a you witch. don't pick this. This isn't a choice that you're grabbing from a menu or something. Right. Right. No, the game picks for you based on what you've done. Yeah. You made now, that choice 12 hours ago when you killed that guy and took his shotgun or whatever. Right. And I don't know how granular it is. Like I've never like I've never watched all the endings to Stalker, but the ending I got, and I felt I'd been pretty good. Like, you know, I you know, I shot back at people who had it coming, but like, I, you know, I wasn't out there like massacring everyone in my path. I got to the end of the game and I get this cutscene of my character encountering the wish granter. And just like sort of staring up at it, so you're the the you're in the um, uh, sarcophagus basically over the over the power plant, mm-hmm. and he basically says, "I want to be rich." Uh. And then he imagines like this cascade of gold coins like falling down around him. <laughs> but then you cut to what's actually happening. He's in an empty room, but some of the wreckage is starting to crumble around him. Uh, but like in his like delirious hallucinatory state, he becomes convinced that like he's getting his wish. Right. He's getting all the gold in the world. Uh, and ends with him getting buried. And that did kind <laughs> of fit because I had played through that game 
basically hoovering up anything that wasn't nailed down. Right. Like, I was like, look, this is this is morally neutral. As I'm like just stuffing like gear and equipment inside my pockets, like just hoarding cash and ammunition, yeah. like looting every single corpse. Uh, but in that lineage, the other example that I'd say was really effective here. Uh, I really liked how the Metro games ended. Hmm. Uh, the the particularly Metro 2033, which frames everything as this there's this looming threat from these monsters homo novus uh which are like the uh sort of mutated post nuclear apocalypse version of of humans uh and they are like threatening to wipe out humanity in those tunnels and the question is like what do we do about them how do we prevent this from happening and uh at the end of the game like you start getting like this feeling that they're trying to communicate with you specifically, mm. but you're still going about this mission to sort of deal with this problem once and for all as the other human factions understand it. Uh, and so the really cool thing is because I'd basically not played with a great deal of empathy up to that point, like when people ask me, like, can you spare some money? Can you spare well, ammunition? Can you spare some gear and equipment ammunition? I'd be like, mm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not really. I need this to probably kill some future Nazis or some <laughs> monsters in the tunnels. I'd love to help you, kid. Right. I'm sorry about your mom and dad and everyone you know in this uh, <laughs> in this train station, but like, I got needs too. Right. Uh, and it's it's to to shoot people. <laughs> and so at the end of the game, it reveals that like what you thought the situation was is not remotely accurate. That they aren't monsters at all. This is a new sentient species that wants to coexist with humanity, has been trying to reach out to these people they instinctively recognize as like sentient cousins. And you understand this when it's far too late to affect the course of things. Uh-huh. Right. And so the ending I got was like, you dropped the nukes on them. Right. Like you hit them as they're as they're begging you, basically, to not do this. Uh you like you hit them with the nuke. And it's this upsetting moment but what i really liked about it was there were all these little choices that were indicating like how my character interacted with the world like what were my values actually like when Mm -hmm. when it was a hard choice when it actually cost me resources and therefore like some sort of like well-being did i take an open-handed open-hearted approach to the world the answer was i didn't and so the game is like those big decisions the big you know the the moral forks in the road are actually preceded usually by tons of little small decisions. Right. And those are the ones that actually define us. Like that moment where you get to be the hero and make the virtuous decision. That's easy. It's those little day-to-day decisions, those small ones. Those are the hard ones to get right. And those and are the ones that, that... That game brought that out. Those are the ones that prep you to make those big ones, right? Like I love that it basically forecloses the possibility of you being the person who would make that bold decision because fucking you couldn't even spare some change, my guy. How are you supposed to yeah. stop nuclear holocaust? Uh, and and that's I think that's really interesting. That's an interesting flip too on the question, right? Which is like games judging us by the way we play. It's like judging you by your actions instead of your words. It's easy to select the option that says speech seventy five. No, no, no! Don't fight the ghouls. It's way harder to to be this. It's speech one hundred. That's the end of New Vegas. It's speech okay. one hundred. You got to put all your points he, into he it in order to prevent it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's not seventy five. You had to put hundred points 100 in points. order to do it. Well, I mean, so actually, maybe that's an interesting thing, right? Which is that. Like in a game like New Vegas, you literally are saying, I'm putting resources into being able to get out of these these experiences nonviolently because and, and that and that one in particular where you can avert like the conflict yeah. ending of New Vegas, like there's no other choice in the game that prepares you for putting 100, 100 like no, points. Nothing else requires maximum speech. Yeah. Everything else in the game is below that threshold. And in no other stat in that game would you ever even think you're supposed to spread your points right. out. You're not supposed to max out points. like one of these. Right. And I remember like upon getting that dialogue choice and not like having it in like uh, whatever, probably the 90s or something like that, like not having enough, reloading an old save, grinding out <laughs> to get that, that 100 going. But mostly because I was just fascinated it existed right. as an option. I was like, what? Like... You can avert like the ending, the all the narrative that this game has been building to, and like the preceding hours can just be like sidelined uh-huh. if, if you've maxed out a stat, which is an interesting way, unsurprising that it's Obsidian, yep. like to have approached uh, that sort of. Uh, I love Obsidian conflict. so much. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. There's some good stuff. They do. They that do. Sounds like Obsidian and Eastern European developers. 
have a better idea of this than anybody else. I think it's this double A <laughs> space or whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever you right. want to call this. This like this interesting with a budget. Interesting with a budget, yeah. right? The seven seven out of tens. The, right. the the space of like, hey, we don't. One of our goals is not to appeal to the widest consumer base audience. Like yeah. we're sustainable if we hit a smaller, you know, a, a smaller target number than that. Um, and 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 also probably just filled with people on those teams who have like a weird devotion to whatever their vision is uh instead of I don't know I can't judge I can't judge dev teams it could be about product it could be about you know a publisher not getting involved it could be about a lot of different things well, but what we those know spaces, about development right. yeah it, it kind of has to almost be a not massive giant right. team team to where that's it's going to be possible to where it's going right? to get tested out of a you know exactly. into oblivion or off. right or like you said just so many people that like you just lose it in the numbers yeah well in a bunch of these examples metro stalker witcher uh they're all games that are referring to other uh, materials and other media. Fair. Like mm-hmm. this is the thing is so they're trying to recreate an experience that already has a great deal of moral ambiguity and grayness to it. Whereas I suspect like there's a tendency to like provide good design feedback when it comes to designing your morality system. So like if there's unintended consequences, if you're like approaching it like a lot of game designers, well shit, this is broken because like the, how did the player doesn't know that they're bad? Right. The player doesn't know that they're like being a shitty person. We did not communicate that effectively. Whereas, like, if you're making a game about the Witcher series or the Metro series, it's like, hell yeah! Like, you fell into you you fell into a dark path. Right. You know it because you thought you were the hero. Yeah, I, it's funny. Even Obsidian stuff that I think about is at their best is like. And putting New Vegas up against Fallout 3, putting KOTOR 2 up against KOTOR 1, like it's also about referencing some outside work. And not that the people in at Obsidian had nothing to do with previous Fallout games. Obviously, right. there's a lineage there. But in KOTOR 2 especially, it's like, ah, uh, this is literally a response to KOTOR 1 in some ways. It's the subversion of Total. your expectation of like a, of like a piece of media yeah. or yeah. it's a game or a novel. And that's actually what makes – like The Witcher 3 doesn't exist without like that the lineage of those first two games right. and then building upon it. And that's what – I never even thought about Metro in this capacity. Like that makes me – I mean – Metro Exodus is, is already far and away like the most excited I am for a game in 2018 mm-hmm. because of the lineage of those games. <laughs> Rob is bouncing. And, I just want to I just want to add that in. Yeah, he is bouncing. Right, because I, I mean, like th- there exists a world like we we're not we don't know we don't, we don't know if we live in it yet, but there exists a world where like Metro takes the same sort of leap that like Witcher yeah. did, like but in like in thinking of Metro and plopping that into. An open world, like the kind of questions that Metro asks, the kinds of things that Metro does, plopping that into a larger, like, context that will not only benefit folks like myself or other people, you know, like Rob and like Waypoint that like those games, but broadens it out where other people who are like, I just like open world shooters post apocalypse, I'm sure. in. And like, you know, the same, you know, we're going to talk about Black Panther next week, like, same thing like Black Panther right. does, like, yo, you want to see a superhero? Like, ah, oh, let's talk about colonialism, right. you know? I mean, like, they're, that makes me very excited for what they can. I really hope they pull me it off. I hope too. they can pull The Witcher Three, which is like, hey, like take what was unique about these games and fucking slap it in this giant open world, which is already a cool concept. But just the fucking wild things they could do would make me. Uh, yeah, I hope me they pull too. It off. Yeah. Me too. There's a lot of things maybe in this space this year. I think about State of Decay Two. Also, seems like they want to go that that route. One of the things that they talked about is that there are factions in that game. Which previously was not a thing at all. They're partially procedurally generated and are fundamentally about ideology. Like what separates them is like the things that they are willing to do to survive in a post-apocalyptic setting. And like obviously this is very trope-filled and 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 very kind of tread territory, which means that there's always the the possibility that they just walk down paths that we find boring because they've been walked down so many times before. But Given the first game's strengths uh, around procedural storytelling, around kind of painting a lot with just a little bit of of color, um, I'm hopeful that they actually move in that same space to where you know one of the things I, I one of the things I love that games can do sometimes is offer us like equally bad or equally frustrating, equally compromised alternatives to where you don't get the speech 100 option at all sometimes. What you get is like three options, all of which seem feasible. Three but races of space slaving so, justice. Right. You know? <laughs> like, literally. It's funny. Like we yeah. got the three. Now our hope is we're going to hit a fourth group that is going to be an ally and going to help us like – 
you know, eke out some some better existence <laughs> or slide away. Like what's probably going to happen is one of those space slavers is going to have a slave faction rise up and break away and we can support them and that can turn into a whole fucking thing. But but um, but yeah, in, in the case of Stellaris, the thing that definitely did happen is like there are now three of those factions. We can see what all of their ethics are, like what they're interested in. And there's one that's like straight up they're with us when it comes to like science and technology and research they're they're materialists like us and they're only regular authoritarians the other two groups are <laughs> fanatic authoritarians that's just like can we move them can we push them further away from authoritarianism it doesn't even need to be all the way to egalitarianism can we just make them like i like not have slaves not have slaves yeah that's all what if we made them militaristic and instead of authoritarian still not great Still not necessarily what we're looking for. What if we just went into Libya and like got rid of their leader and like it'll, <laughs> it'll all, all be, be fine. fine. It's gonna work it's out. Fine. Just let them figure it out. They just let them figure it out. If it's not fine, our intentions were good. Yeah. And yeah. so really, if there were consequences for others, like what they should bear in mind mm-hmm. is that we really wished everyone the best. We really wanted everything to go well for everybody involved. <laughs> I mean, seriously though, like uh, it's supposed to be like joke about like that, like you know, neocon liberals, uh, like a uh, sort of like a uh, 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 interventionist perspective. Like you see how mm-hmm. you arrive at those things, totally right. Like it's super easy yep. to sit and mock and lots of reasons to criticize those decisions, but like the way you guys are talking about your Solaris games, like you see how you end Dude, up totally. at those horrible. I've choices. told this choice before. <laughs> I've told this story before, so I'm going to do it very quickly. But the, one of the first games of Solaris I played in, I ended up bringing in, I rescued a vassal nation, a nation from another, like it was in another war, kind of became really good friends with them, brought them in as a vassal state for myself. And then eventually just totally assimilated them because like as a vassal, they weren't full citizens in my empire, right? They weren't like, they weren't getting all the benefits. They didn't have had. all their rights in the uh, right. properties. But yeah? then when they were part of it of my culture they were like they didn't like the way i did certain things and were voting against me and were like making things really difficult and it was basically a group of six population units spread across three planets in the same sector which we haven't gotten to yet danielle but you eventually start sectoring off as you get a bigger and bigger empire yeah because it's like i can't control eight planets at once so this was like one sector and i was like well they're winning that sector like even though it's only six people they're so unified on this one issue they have the one issue voters they're gonna win that vote (laughs) Uh, And so, they really like their guns. So, the what I ended up doing was I redistricted. I fucking gerrymandered them and broke them into three districts where now they were they were minority voters and they couldn't move the change. It's terrible. It's terrible. (laughs) But they didn't see the big picture. Oh, no. <laughs> they didn't see it. They didn't understand. Like, I get it. They didn't want, it was specifically, if I remember right, they didn't want robots. They were like, get the fucking robots off our planet. And I was like, no. Oh, have you I met see. It was me? about robots. Okay. I All love right. robots. This makes sense now. And so, get the fuck out of here. That's <laughs> uh, right. So it was like, well, I'm not going to kill these spore people. I'm not going to, and I'm also not going to let them ride in the streets because I have robots. Robots are cool. I'm a cool robot guy. And <laughs> so, I just, <laughs> I turned one district into four or three or whatever and then they were and here's the the, the real oh, fucked boy. up thing is here's the real fucked up thing and the thing that I love about games like this yeah. 300 years later or something I redistricted it so that they were all one big district again there was a, there was a, a new president in my call it was actually an oligarchic thing so it was like a new chairwoman of the of the mega corporation that I was <laughs> playing as uh, and <laughs> She redistributed it and like made sure everyone had equal rights and all that. But it had been three hundred years, and they just sat in like culture for three hundred years. So by the time that that happened, they were good with robots. Oh. They'd lost that part of their culture completely. And so she gets she got to come in as this great reformer, as if I hadn't done this terrible hundreds of years long campaign of kind of slowly enculturating them. them into our yeah. yeah silencing them and then acculturating them into my view so wait the robot were the robots sentient yeah 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 okay but yeah but so like really yeah. what you did was you protected the rights of one population from oppression by a minor by a minority population that denied them their their sentience their their, you their know, value cheers to that that's what i'm saying <laughs> See, this is why Rob is the evil Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> you see, Aust, Aust, benevolent Austin is pointing to this editorial that he saw in the oh! newspaper that is explaining his argument very well for him. What if you could own? Thank you, National what Review. What if you could own a robot? You know, 
What if you could have your own robot? <laughs> that was the Politico story from a few it, weeks it ago. It was. Right? It sure was. Fuck. God. Oh my anyway, god. Anyway, but like I do love that about it's these good. games. It's like yeah. they get you to that point where you're like, fuck, how do I solve this? Oh, I just do oh no, what did I just do? <laughs> you do the ultimate See, Republican I just, I, weapon. So as, yeah. as someone that doesn't play nor have any interest in playing those types of games, I love hearing these stories mm-hmm. and I wish Traditional is the wrong word. I wish other games would take, right. try and find ways to introduce that sort of like moral compromise storytelling and, and get that into other games. It seems like it's obviously a little bit easier to do just by the very structure of strategy games and the way that like assets yeah. work in strategy games, just like on a fundamental level. But I like those, there doesn't seem to be any good reason that more genres couldn't have that kind of like pushing the player into doing fucked up things even if they think they're doing it for the right reason i mean we've mentioned the witcher witcher actually is very good at providing you with like you know the go read up about like you know the bloody baron quest like no matter what you do in that quest like things are bad and uh, like you resolve it but like the resolution like there isn't necessarily there's not one path that's like everyone's happy like Like, i did all the stuff there's no way through that i i don't i i the Bloody Baron quest is wild because, like, that dude is an abuser and yep. is, like, actually mm-hmm. terrible. And yep. uh, there is not a right way through that quest. It just sucks. It just sucks. It's I don't so think rough. anybody's ever happy no matter what you do in that quest. Like, I don't, I don't know that there happy. are even happier and it. less. <laughs> of course Rob did. <laughs> Rob had the Rob path. Yeah. Uh, why isn't this stuff – or not why isn't it, but I think about something like the War Table in Dragon Age Inquisition, which is this, like – bird's eye view of of nations and cultures hitting each other where this sort of stuff could totally come up more often it does come up here or there i want to be clear but like there's one of those things that i'd love to see those games hit e- even more that'd be awesome i mean throughout mm. the years I-, I loved 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 the mass effect games at the time and totally. I-, I enjoyed the dragon age games at the time as well but it feels like over the years it's become more and more obvious that those games are absolutely one of their player experience goals is always making you feel rad right like even when it kind of dragon age obviously delves a little bit further on mm-hmm. this uh towards the you're not always rad but you're really rad underneath yeah. you know kind of thing <laughs> yeah, so totally i it would be cool to see Bioware actually go for like no, actually you can screw up and like feel bad about it yeah. and feel bad because you screwed up. Well, <laughs> so doesn't Dragon Age two though kind of explicitly like explain why one of your buddies gets radicalized and takes a path of like extreme violent resistance? Yeah, I think Dragon Age two. I like Dragon Age two more than most people, but I think that the Anders storyline, which is which is the thing you're talking yeah. about, is like a kind of a drop ball in their execute. I think all of their mage templar shit in that game is fucked because they do a really bad job compared to both Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age Inquisition at making the templars seem like real people and and at the same mm. and because of that the mages seem so in the right uh, completely yeah. and especially given what happens after at the very end there's a whole boss fight that is like so like it it makes the bad choices that you know you're supposed to think are bad choices seem totally feasible and legit because of how bad things go. Um, it's weird. Like, I, I don't know. I think that game's actually at its best when it's making you pissed at your friends for doing things that are – there's a second or third act thing that happens – Regarding one of your characters, Isabel, and the the Kunari, who are like the the uh, people there from the north, they have their big iron bull is one of those in, in, oh, in yeah. Inquisition. Big hor- they have horns. Um, they're like they're culturally this mashup of kind of uh, Islam and communism. That's kind of the pitch. That's kind of like the very short and dirty yeah. meets meets meets. Uh, and they're rad, one. Um, they're kind of a theocratic nightmare sometimes, too, to be clear. But she steals something very important from them. Uh, and there's a really good moment in that game where you're just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, how could you bring this into our fucking house? Like, you know that you're. this is just going to cause, like, some bullshit over your selfish ass. Like, ugh. And you have to end up making choices that are like, where is my morality? Where is my loyalty to my friends? How does all that mix together? Where, what, what do I feel like ethically? I think that stuff works super well in that game. I really wish they stuck the landing on the, the kind of radicalized buddy thing a little bit more. Yeah. I like Dragon Age 2 more than me, most people, though. So Yeah. I speak from a place of love. It's, it's from a place of love. It's criticism from a place of love. That's what we that, try to that do sounds here pretty most good. of the time. Most of the time. I think we have time for maybe one question. Unless, sure. Uh, all right. 
Uh, <clears throat> it is a, a highly relevant question to both our discussion today, ish, uh-huh. and also uh, life in general. So I didn't get their name, so if this is you, good job. Uh, with Bayonetta out on the Switch now, I'm playing through it for the second time. I found that this game speaks to my younger self in an unexpected way. Hmm. I grew up in a small town in Texas and attended church services every Sunday. When I was a kid, I remember zoning out in church and imagining battles between heaven and hell. Now I'm an atheist that never attends church, but Bayonetta takes those childhood daydreams and infuses them with a Japanese style that I find positively delightful. Have you ever played a game that really unintentionally reminds you of your childhood? Hmm. I just, like, I, I think about this because I definitely had an extremely Catholic upbringing and mm-hmm. had a lot of those same daydreams about, like, oh, yeah, let's check the angels kicking <laughs> demons' asses, which right. is not really the point, no. but it seems cool yeah. when you're six. I don't know. I'm trying to think of an answer to that question, though, of just, like, is there anything that takes me back to childhood? I, like, you heard me rail about Dynasty Warriors the other day, and, like, yeah. that's because... One of the things I like is that those games take me back to my childhood when they – of just, like, endless summers where I'm just going to level up all of my characters to 99 or whatever because I have all this time. I'm just going to, like, throw myself at them. Um, and this one failed to do that. So not that one. Not that one. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the types of games I play now are just so different that they don't – Yeah. Like, I, I often find that I'm deliberately – like, I have no interest. Like, a lot of those games – I mean, I – I like Mega Man. I like platformers, action games, uh, a lot of uh, you know RPG, JRPGs that I played when I was a kid. But my interests are just like so completely different from like both as a function of time and interest that like occasionally I'll dip my toe into things that remind me of my childhood. But like by and large, it's like I want to play things that adult Patrick finds interesting, which just don't don't often line up with what younger Patrick. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, I guess we could we could broaden this out and think about like even themes or even you know yeah. like s- some sort of flavor, even if it's not like the game. Sports is just the one for me. Which is like I grew up playing a yeah. ton of sports games. I mean, my dad would play yeah. you know Madden, or before that we would play Game Day, or before that we would play Joe Montana Joe Montana football on Sega, and before that we played like Tecmo Bowl, Tecmo Super Bowl. So like. On Sega, you played it on yeah. Sega, huh? Uh, Montana, yeah, I played Montana. Oh, no, I'm oh. just, I'm just. I, oh, I'm I was just a saying. Sega, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I know. Yeah. I'm just saying. It, it was it. Uh, I was. A did I say on Sega? Holy shit! Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's that's. I, right, that was that's, wonderful. They, they it took you right back. That's, yeah. that's totally it. <laughs> but that's one. But like, yeah, I mean, like for people that like didn't, who might be a lot of people uh-huh. listening to this podcast didn't grow up in that era. Like people that like there were yeah, one. There were people that Nintendo and people at Sega. Uh, they had a Genesis. Okay. Um, mo- but, and the Nintendo people often made fun of the yes. people that had a Genesis because you, you tend it's not exclusive, but it tended to be, let's say, three-fourths people had Nintendo, yeah. one-fourth people had Genesis, <laughs> and the people who had Nintendo would say, like, your parents just didn't know what to buy you, and they got you the guy named <laughs> Genesis. Um, They're wrong. People that were... To be clear, I, I, I lo- Genesis I, filled I, with I later great came games. to love my Genesis and the, my, you know, the... Mortal Kombat was the way the Genesis people yes. got to rub salt in the, right in the wound of uh, Super Nintendo. Their green Nintendo wounds. Um, filled you know? with the Metro 2033s and the Stalkers and the, and the Witchers yep. of that era, 100%. Like, no wonder I, I came just out wanted the way to I make the. <laughs> I just want to make the point that when you said uh, the Sega, like that's, that's what it means. That was super really common funny. back then. Like yeah, I was saying, like yeah. that was deliberate. That like that you like good. had like it was a nervous tick that just went like whoop, like the yeah, Sega. On Sega, of course, that's Sega. what we did. To the um, to it did teleport me back, but yeah, that's what we that's what we did. Like so, yeah, so I think sports games. Like when I go and play Madden, when I play FIFA, I those are the games that I played the most when I was still like before college. You know, uh, not the most, but I played them the most in my life in that time period. So even now, when I dip my toes back in, those probably work for me in that way how about, how about you rob anything bring you back even if it's just like the flavor of something or the theme yeah i mean like i'm sort of in the um i had a lot of weird tastes for a kid that began to make more sense as i became like an I love adult this. man <laughs> like uh-huh. uh, i love this <laughs> So you're saying you were playing, uh, you know, hexagonal strategy games uh-huh. uh, when you were uh, in fifth grade? Yeah, basically, like you know, the sight of like French infantry breaking into assault columns and closing with a red coat position, like this. that takes me right the fuck back to age like six or seven. Ah, uh, third grade. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, so in some ways, like I didn't, I I failed to grow up and evolve because, like, to this day, you were like, already there. Yeah, the flags unfurl, the soldiers like marching across the Gun battlefield. I'm like, oh, my heart. Yep. My twelfth birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody came, but I yeah. was there, and so were my fe- my fellow soldiers. Oh, Marshal Davu, you're my real friend. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, wow, that's nice. That means you get to travel back to your to your youth every time you you play a game. You know, it's yeah, beautiful. It's, good. it's really beautiful. There's something there for me that I can't fully articulate, but I truly love this horrible edutainment game. When I was a little kid, uh, Mario is missing. It was like a oh, geography yeah. game mm-hmm. that I oh, like. Yeah. Honestly, love. And there's some bits and pieces that I feel in the world of of games. Like I. I haven't looked at the museum mode yet of Assassin's Creed Origins, but, like, the way it's all, like, here's some facts about a thing. Right. That's exactly how the edutainment part of Mario is Missing uh, was presented. So I feel like I would get some a little bit of that, and I honestly love that kind of shit. I am the biggest dork for, like, <laughs> museums and just encountering artifacts and having a little bit of context given to me. And that, that like, it's like a little shot of context. I don't know. Yeah, it's something about it was very I'm appealing. Rob wrote about that this week, too. People should go read that on the site. Exactly. All right, everybody. Well, uh, I think that's probably it for our Friday podcast. Of course, you can always send questions to us at gamingatvice.com with the subject question. Uh, Thank you for all the good questions that we get. I know we've gotten some interesting questions uh, about our last podcast, but keep sending those good questions that ask us uh, actual questions. Uh, Shout-outs, of course, to Boen for letting us use his track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. We are on Twitter at Waypoint. We are on Facebook at Waypoint Vice and YouTube at Waypoint Vice. And, of course, you can read everything we write at waypoint.vice.com. Uh, you can find me at Danielle R.I. Austin, where can people find you online? At Austin underscore Walker. Awesome. Patrick, where can we find you? Find me at Patrick. And Rob. Marching with the Grand Armée. <laughs> <laughs> at Rob Zachney. <laughs> good. Very good. Thank you, everyone, uh, for being here with us. And as always, I would like to send you off for your weekend by saying, be good and be good at it. Vive l'Empereur. Peace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.